Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. I'm so excited to have Neely Bartley on the podcast. Neely is a tech integration specialist, teacher, blogger, speaker, and author of Lead Beyond Your Title, Creating Change in School from Any Role. Make sure you check out the end of the episode. Neely is providing one of her books for a Aspire giveaway. Stay tuned on how to enter and win. Neely, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And um, Josh, I admire the work that you do tremendously. So again, it's an honor. And Neely, as you know, the show is centered on leadership development. And today I would love to hear about your leadership journey and how you became a tech integration specialist. Oh, well. That's like a big question. All right. So I guess I'll start with how I became a tech integration specialist. I was in the classroom for 11 years. And during my last couple of years, actually in my last few years, I had always been passionate about digital learning and and using technology to empower kids. But the last few, I discovered that using technology in purposeful ways could really give my students a voice. And we started doing some things I kind of just let them take the lead on. Like we were chatting, like almost simulating a Twitter chat at home around really cool topics where they were all jumping on their devices. And some of my shyest students were like my first to jump on. And, and, you know, that was a game changer for me. And anytime, you know, we did anything like that, they were super excited. And so a a colleague of mine, um, I had had her daughter, in class at one point had noticed that I kind of had this this passion for using technology in the classroom. She said, you know, have you ever considered tech integration? And I was like, no way. Like it never occurred to me. And then all of a sudden it was like so eye-opening. Maybe this would be something that I would enjoy. And my last year in the classroom, my students, my crew took it to such an amazing level. And, you know, whether they were doing Genius Hour or Ed Camp, they were really in, involving technology, really in life-changing ways. And their position became open. And although it was really hard for me to leave the classroom, this group of students was so encouraging. Uh, I knew it was the right move because what we had done was so powerful that I really felt like it was almost my responsibility to share it with as many people as I could. And I also wanted to branch out and learn as much as I could. So I took the K to three position in our district for three years. So that was 2015 to 2000. 18. So that's kind of how that happened. At the same time, my last year in the classroom, my students were leading tremendously. And that's when we went pirate. And I read Teach Like a Pirate and Learn Like a Pirate. And my kids were running the classroom. And at that point, what started happening was that I realized that I was sort of taking on this new role as a leader kind of beyond the classroom because they started leading me. They started leading teachers and students in the school. We started connecting globally. And once that happened, and then once I sort of rolled into tech integration, it really allowed for me to gain confidence and see that I could take my students and lead beyond the classroom, but that I also um, was empowered to lead other teachers and students in my new role as well. And when I read Lead Like a Pirate, that was a true game changer, and it empowered me to do things that I'd never tried. And all of a sudden, I was kind of able to impact a culture, which I never really knew was was possible. 
So I love having guests on the show with very different leadership titles because I think it provides our aspiring leaders with a very different perspective on leadership. So I know you've been in two different districts and your responsibilities were very different even though it was the same title. So can you just share with our listeners kind of what those responsibilities were? Yes. So in terms of my tech integration role in the last three years of my second district, my first district was in Missouri. I taught two years in the classroom. Uh, lucky enough that I started my career teaching next door to Beth Hoff. So that was like, no. we were, we were, <laughs> we were trying to be pirates before we even knew what pirate was. Um, so that really my, I probably wouldn't be doing what I was doing had I not, you know, um, started my career with her. So the second district I was in my last three years, I was a tech integration specialist. So again, I was able to kind of like set my own schedule for the most part and work between two buildings, um, kindergarten through third grade. I even did some work with, with um, pre-K teachers and students. And I was doing anything from going into classrooms and modeling lessons, co-teaching, um, coaching teachers one-on-one in small groups, going to PLC meetings, uh, even you know doing some professional development in staff meetings, uh, many of which you know I initiated. Uh, other times I was just volunteering and, and asking teachers to meet before school, after school. It was a lot of fun. I also was able to work with students in small groups as well and launch different projects with them. My role now, I jumped over to middle school at um, in Natick Public Schools in Massachusetts, which was a great move for me. I'm thrilled to be in this amazing district and role. And now I work with fifth graders through eighth graders at Wilson Middle School. And Although my role is still flexible and I'm doing a lot of the tech integration that I was able to do before, I also have classes. So I'm kind of back in the classroom. I'm a specialist and I teach fifth grade, seventh grade, and eighth grade. And it's a variety of classes. Uh, They're called tech lit classes. So we're using this time to explore a variety of tools, initiate some projects, and pick topics that we're passionate about. Also choosing the tools that students feel fit the need of that project specifically too, because I want them to really get to that point where they can do that. And then I teach some video creation classes as well. So it's a variety of things and I, I love it. I really enjoy middle school. In earlier podcasts, a lot of my guests have talked about leading beyond their position. And for those who haven't had the opportunity to read your book, will you just provide a quick synopsis of the book for our aspiring leaders? Yeah, absolutely. So this book was really written with the goal to empower anybody from any role, staff members, administrators, students, to show up to school as who they are and nothing less and to grab as much passion as absolutely possible and to never let anybody tell them that that is not okay in order to kind of like that lead like a pirate theme, make school amazing and make it a place that, you know, we're all knocking down the doors to get in. And I really believe wholeheartedly that in order to get to that point of leading from any role, we have to feel courageous and comfortable enough in our environment to do it. So the first part of the book really focuses on establishing that kind of environment in the classroom, right? Leading with a crew of students, because for a lot of us, that's where we can start. And sometimes it seems overwhelming and and even scary where, you know, I'm going to lead beyond my role. Like, yes, I'm a teacher and a classroom, but I want to bring this to my school and I want to empower my administrators. And sometimes 
that is a really hard goal to achieve. So it's like, wait, build a crew here, do this, do that. Start with your students, right? That's what the first part of the book is about. And when my students were really learning and leading like pirates, um, I saw the power that they had in influencing a whole school, you know, whether it was getting up and doing a superhero show in front of 600 people and getting everybody in the audience, including administrators, to think about what superpowers they were bringing to school or launching Genius Hour. Um, you know, they did a variety of things that really sort of showed everybody else in the community what learning could look like. That is a tremendous way to lead, right? I call it uh, taking the class out of the room. The second part of the book really goes into that new role that I had. And even though I was in a new role, um, all of the things that I tried, classroom teachers were trying them too. You know, you could still have done it from the classroom. Uh, it's just that I didn't come to the realization that I could, in fact, um, do more and be more to a whole school. That shift didn't really happen for me coincidentally until I had this role. And so the second part of the book really was sort of identifying, okay, I'm in this new role. I'm working with hundreds of students, administrators, and colleagues. How am I going to lead them? And it, a lot of it was just trial and error because it's really not the same thing as like showing up to your classroom of 24 kids and being like, hey, guys, who wants to be a pirate? Who wants to try this? Who wants to be a superhero? They, you know, are just like the excitement is like magnetism where it's not quite the same with teachers, right? Like I think we all know that you're going to get a handful of people who are going to jump, jump onto anything, but it's a little bit harder. So I kind of learned the hard way. I mean, I think I wrote in the book that, you know, something like you can shout from the rooftops, right? Like you've got the enthusiasm to do it, but it's way too far away to know if anybody's really listening. So that true connection piece, the second part of the book really dives into rapport, kind of taking the wheel and building relationships with colleagues, not that I wasn't a team player before, but sort of, yes, my passion is great. The things I tried were impactful, but passing the mic to hear their passions and figure out how I could get them running into school and helping lead a building took over. And then the third part of the book is really about discovering the power in leading up. So I could build a crew of colleagues that was awesome. We bonded over what we were passionate about. We could go to our administrators now and say, hey, you know, it's not just Neely with this crazy idea. How can we as a team support your vision? How can we as a team help impact and contribute more to the culture of our school so we can make it better for you, we can make it better for everybody, and we can make a school as amazing as possible? And so that was like a really pivotal point for me to actually start seeing our school start to shift. And I just went out there, gained some courage, got vulnerable, let myself be seen. I'm a tech person, but I played the ukulele and danced in front of my building and I was shaking, but I did it anyway, right? I went off of my title of providing, you know, technology instruction. How can you do the same? And how can you inspire your building to do the same regardless of your role? Because I think that it's needed and I think that the more administrators hear, not just about leading beyond their title, but the importance of encouraging everybody around them to do that, the more success a building is going to have because everybody will feel valued and, and really want to show up. I want to dig more into kind of what you're talking about with the building relationships and the rapport with your colleagues, because I don't know about your experience, but when I began my leadership journey, I was only about three years into my teaching career. And when I began leading beyond my position, it quickly felt like there was a different connection with my coworkers, almost as though they wanted me to stay in my own lane. So 
for our aspiring leaders who are looking for that leadership experience and wanting to lead beyond their position, what should they do when they see a shift in relationships? In terms of people sort of not jumping on board? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so that's tricky, you know, and I've experienced that too. And, you know, one of the things that I always try to keep in mind is, are you sharing it in a way, and I think I heard John Spencer and Katie Martin, but they talked about the importance of the process, not the end product. So if people are shying away from you, but you're also a teacher who's who's either not sharing or trying all these new things and only sharing the end products of what your students are doing, then I would encourage you to open the door and let them see the process. Because when teachers see the messy, then they might not resist. You know, they're not going to necessarily say, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know if my kids can do that. Or yes, you stay in your lane. I had a colleague who I adored and did phenomenal things with his students. But I'd, I'd say, you know, these crazy things, you want to try this with me? Like I was always inviting him in and he'd, he'd say, I, I totally respect what you're doing about, you know, I'm going to do my own thing, but like you rock on and that's fine too. The other thing is, you know, always spark conversations and, and talk to the people who might not understand. I did not do that enough. I revolutionized my classroom, but I didn't understand that just having conversations with teachers to explain the why, to educate them on what the heck you're doing and why you're doing it anyway, I didn't realize that that could lead to revolutionizing a school or a grade level or a few classrooms or a culture. And I think that that's super important. And when people started asking me when I I really fought for getting out of the computer lab where I was having several classes because it was kind of technology and isolation and that's not what it's all about, right? So Mm -hmm. I remember defining my role and defending my role and it helped open the doors up to opportunities that wouldn't have been there if I hadn't sparked these conversations with colleagues and let them know exactly why we were making the shift and how I was going to be there with them every step of the way. Because if I just said, well, this is this is what's happening and this is the way that we're going to do it, which sometimes I think is what we hear, even though if it's not really what people are saying, then the door gets shut and then the kind of learning that could be happening, unfortunately, doesn't happen. So definitely conversations, definitely invite people into your classrooms and make sure that you don't stop your joy, don't stop your passion, don't stop doing what you're doing. Because I'm telling you right now, there were times where I thought, man, should I give up? You know, I wasn't even getting emails back from people or they were so overwhelmed with the demands of of just everyday school. But I kept at it and kept at it. And whether it's throwing a crazy video out there about something that you read or something that you heard, it just takes one. It takes one person to finally take your recommendation on a book. It takes one person to finally watch a crazy video that you put out there to get people's attention. Once that one person joins you crazy, right? And this is a big lead like a pirate thing too. That can change everything. So don't, don't, don't give up. You keep doing what you're passionate about doing. And then all of a sudden there's going to be so much excitement in the air that even the people that weren't so sure are going to have this choice in front of them. You know, do I give in and, and join this awesome or do I shut my door? And the decision becomes more and more difficult when we keep pushing on with what we're passionate about and what we know what, you know, what really matters. So Neely, for those teachers that finally said, yes, I want to come into your classroom. I want to check out what you're doing. What were some <laughs> of the items that you were doing in your classroom that empowered your students and gave them voice? Yes. So, you know, after I read Teach Like a Pirate, I got on Pure Genius by John Wetrick almost like immediately. And 
although he he worked with high school students, I had fourth grade. I, I modified what we did. Genius Hour was huge for us, huge, huge, huge. And I wish I had invited classrooms in to see what we were doing. People knew about it. Families enjoyed it. It was probably the best decision I'd ever made as a classroom teacher to run with it because students truly let it. That was super empowering for the kids. We also did a cardboard arcade. Before that, we explored a curriculum called the Super U curriculum. It's the Super U uh, Foundation, and Lord's Lane is the creator. And we were one of the first classrooms to try the curriculum. And she actually came to our school and worked with the kids for three days, and we were able to put on this show for the whole school, really. So that was super empowering. And then what we ended up doing was doing this cardboard arcade because I'd shown Kate's arcade video, and the kids were like, can we try this? So, of course, I was like, sure. <laughs> I couldn't say no. Plus, I wanted to let them run with it. So what we did was we invited parents and other classes in, and they had to do like – I made things really complicated for them a lot. Like even Genius Hour was super complicated. But they had to do a pirate and superhero theme for every game they made. And all the money that we raised from classes that came in to play these games, we gave them to the Imagination Foundation, which was awesome. And so what ended up happening was teachers came in, and they saw – and they couldn't believe, like I just sat back, right? And they couldn't believe the level of leadership and empathy that my students were showing. And it was really, really cool to see. I think my only job was to like rip up raffle tickets. We also experimented with student ed camp and that was incredibly impactful. And, you know, did these chats on Edmodo that I was talking about. We also interviewed authors and you know, these rock star educators and leaders probably like every couple of weeks. And my kids got to be these like master interviewers. So again, impactful up for us in hindsight. Um, I wish I would have invited more classes in. We got out, we would go and tutor other classes in brain pop and we would, I had kids leading PD. So it's not that we weren't pushing ourselves into the climate of the school. I just wish I had done it more. So before this role that I had in middle school, that was a big goal of mine. So what we did, pineapple chart, and we did observe me, and a lot of teachers tried something similar to Ed Camp and Genius Hour, and we were inviting classrooms in constantly and playing videos of experiences at whole school meetings, and that started to spread. It wasn't like every teacher was trying it, but the hunger for something new and to see that other classes in the exact same school were doing it, kids were going nuts, and some of their teachers started asking questions. So that started happening more in my role after I was in the classroom. So and if teachers and classes aren't coming in, then like showing a video of the experience using like clips or quick in front of the whole school, then they kind of have no choice to see it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, here's what's happening. You need to come check this out kind of thing. Oh, most definitely. So leadership is a tricky job, especially for someone who doesn't have a ton of experience in that role. So what was one trial or failure you experienced that created the most growth? I think one thing that I started doing a lot of is meeting with my principals. Like I, I had done that a little bit before, but usually when I met with a principal, it was because you know, we were meeting to go over my goal or something with the evaluation system. And I started initiating meetings. I started working with administrators a lot more. And I think what was really pivotal for me that allowed me to grow the most was, again, you know, I came off this sort of enthusiasm and passion high, right, from seeing the great things that students were doing in the classroom. And I learned, like, um, Susan Scott Fair's conversations has this, like, concept that talks about the beach ball effect, right? So 
I learned that I was living on my own stripe, but I wasn't really seeing all of the other stripes and all of the other angles and perspectives that principals deal with a lot every day. I really started to understand that and acknowledge it. And it helped me with my approach. And I I think that that was huge. The other part though, you know, and this kind of goes with my, I'm very passionate about the idea of passing the mic back and forth too, because I think that if we're passing the mic to each other, colleagues, administrators, it's modeling it for students. And when they can do it for each other, they're going to be our leaders one day. So this is huge, right? It's like magic happens. And I started being honest with my administrators too. I remember I had a conversation with one of them because I just wanted to do more. And that's that feeling that so many people in a position like mine really feel like we're aching to make more of a difference. And I said very honestly, you know, I I think I have some stuff to offer and I, I just feel underused. And that took a lot of courage, right? It took an awful lot of courage. So I think that that was huge. The whole concept of pushing myself to meet more with administrators to try to understand their angle to help me grow in in using more empathy, but also on, to find that balance of, you know what, I have a voice too, and not being afraid to share it. Those two kind of side by side, I think, helped me grow the most. So it sounds like you've worked with some pretty amazing administrators. For a principal that is listening to this podcast, how should they grow future leaders on their campus? I think my... Current administrators, district leaders, my school leaders are doing a phenomenal job of this. So I'm able to see this really on a daily basis. They empower their teachers like crazy. And like I said, I was just able to present twice now with my own principal about the concept of creating a culture of leaders in the building. And I think she does such a great job with this. And I I think that it comes from leading with your heart first and foremost, because I think, and I've learned a lot from Brene Brown over the summer. I think she's phenomenal. I just uh, read Daring Greatly and began Dare to Lead. And I think that when leaders are self-aware and they know who they are and they're confident in who they are and they're not afraid to let themselves be seen, it's not perfect and it shouldn't be, then they're able to let others in. And that was like a big deal for me to be able to let others in, including my students, even way back when I was in the classroom, to kind of take a back seat and, okay, I don't have to be the one in charge all the time. And in fact, it's it's better when I'm not, right? And one of my goals is to sort of become this catalyst and like spark change and just get out of the way. So for leaders to grow leaders within the building, I think that's the most important thing because if you are constantly worried about people doing your job or people leading over you, or you don't have enough confidence in yourself that you're worried about losing some type of control, then I think that's like a culture destroyer. Because when you don't let people in and show that philosophy, then people see right through it. And they, they're going to, you know, they're going to stop asking can I do this? Or is this a possibility? Might I try this? And I, I've, I've seen some of that. Like I've had phenomenal administrators, but I think that the biggest ticket to leadership in all roles is your building and district leaders putting teacher and student empowerment and letting those voices in and valuing the people who show up every day with ideas to be heard. That's absolutely key. For those starting their leadership journey, what advice do you have for them? 
Well, so I'm not a principal. I do not have an administrative title. So I guess I don't want to pretend that I have an answer necessarily for somebody who's going to school to get their principal license. Like this, this is what you need to do. But I would just say, I think because I'm very close with a lot of principals, you know, a few of who are my closest friends in the whole world, just watching their success and them having gone through school and sticking with it for so long, do not think that you have to change. Keep who you are. Those of us that are not administrators or that are not principals, like we, we want to see you. We want you to bring yourself and nothing less than yourself. And we want you to have the confidence to show who you are and how you're going to lead and how you're going to inspire besides managing a building. Like I can't imagine how hard that is. I can't imagine even just making sure that everybody's safe and the weight that one would feel. But through all of that, through all of the thousands of emails that you get, remember why you're choosing to do it. Remember the impact that you want to make. And if you can remind yourself of that, and I just heard Jimmy cast this as our keynote <laughs> conference recently, <laughs> and so his words are still stuck in my head because he was so amazing. But if you can remember that every single morning, as soon as you get out of bed, it's going to make the biggest difference possible for your colleagues and students, because that's what we're humans. That's what we crave. We crave real. It's great to have somebody who's organized and who can manage a building. But if we don't see your heart, we're not going to connect to you. And if we don't see your heart, we're not going to feel comfortable enough to show our hearts. And then what is that going to show our students? You need to be seen. We need to be seen. They need to be seen. And I think like the bottom line is like these kids, they need to learn content, but they need to think and feel and love. And if we're not setting that as examples, we can't expect them to, to become these amazing humans and leaders that we not only want them to become, but that our world needs. In addition to your position, you speak at conferences, obviously you've written a book and you're very active on social media. How did you find your voice beyond your district? Okay. <laughs> so how did I find my voice beyond my district? That is that's an amazing question. Beth Huff <laughs> and Jay Billy. Yeah, those are two Dave big Bur ones. <laughs> Dave Burgess. <laughs> so here's how it happened. So again, my, my Crew 202 year, that was the year to just kind of try everything. And I... I had a, a little bump in the road and I was starting to question myself as a teacher. And I think that was more toward the beginning of the year. And that's when Beth sent me teach like a pirate. I had an experience in the classroom where I thought a lesson went well and it ended up not being seen as going so well. And it was like crushing. Right. And I didn't have, I hadn't developed resilience is still really hard for me, but I hadn't developed it to the point where I have now. And so when I was able to dive into that book. I joined an online community and I still remember, you know, it didn't just change the culture of my classroom. I had this whole online crew helping me do that. My first Teach Like a Pirate chat, I remember Dave himself and Jay saying, I didn't even know them. And they were like, hey, Neely, welcome to the crew. And at that moment, I knew that I had found people that were just as passionate as me, that were going to help lift me up that were going to have my back when I was taking risks and publicly announcing that I was going to take them because there's you know, nothing like actually saying it online to hold you to it, right? I knew they'd have my back. I knew they'd want to hear about experiences. And I knew that I would learn from them. 
they, that TLAP crew, my first real PLN, they helped me have a voice beyond my district. And that was super powerful. And that was back in 2014. And I think because I had the opportunity to find my voice and then all of a sudden over the past several years, write like 30 blog posts that were still super scary for me to hit publish. But because I had experienced that, like I took that to my students and they had voices beyond the classroom. We were like a connected class together. So I think that's when it all started, this Teach Like a Pirate community really changed everything for me. So why did you get onto Twitter to find your connection? Well, I honestly, I, like Beth is just a consistent part of my story, <laughs> but it's true. And I'm like, it's like, you know, she's just, she's always there. She told me you need to get on Twitter because part of her Lead Like a Pirate story that she tells is that when she was at, I think it was the principal's conference, and met Jay there, he got her involved with Twitter. And she was like, well, I'm not really on it. I'm kind of on it. And he got her following all these awesome people. She did the same for me. And so it wasn't like I sat there going, hmm, I really need to have an online voice. Do I pick Twitter? Do I pick um, Instagram? You know, I wasn't really using social media a lot. It was really her influence and then seeing the impact of all of the inspiration she was getting and what she was able to share. That's that's why. Mm-hmm. In closing, what is the most enjoyable aspect of leadership? I think that once you convince yourself that you are a leader, because I don't, it doesn't matter what role you have. I work with so many staff members that are in such a variety of roles, you know, whether I'm talking to a school psychologist or a paraprofessional or a guidance counselor, or a classroom teacher, or a PE teacher, administrator, like you're a leader. If you are guiding people, if you are bringing passion to school, it doesn't matter. You are leading in some way, right? It's it's more of an action than it is a title. So I think that the best part about leadership is that when you actually convince yourself that you're a leader, which took me some time to do, the freedom. The freedom to, and I still work on this. I'm actually like very shy um, and I've always worried about what people thought of me. So, you know, this is Brene is <laughs> coming at a really, really good time because it, it gets real. It does. Not everybody loves you or loves what you do. But I think that that freedom is just exhilarating to say, you know what? Like I can inspire people. I'm going to try and I'm going to see what happens. And if it's just one person, that's awesome. You know, if one person reads my post or if it's only me that reads my post, like, that's okay because I'm putting myself out there, right? So her whole concept with the arena, it just it's really left an impact on me. And I think that that's the biggest the biggest piece of enjoyment is that once you can get over that hump of actually convincing yourself, like, yes, I am a leader, and I am going to be who I am, then the the freedom and the joy that comes with that, you see the results, like just to see a teacher smiling in the hallway. I got a hug this year, like from behind, like somebody colleague actually like jumped on me from behind and I like almost went into like defense mode and was like, what? Like just to tell me she was happy I was there. You know, it makes such a big impact. I can meet with my administrators constantly now and say, you know, what do you think about this? Or I'd like to try this. And all of a sudden, like I'm getting handed the mic in a staff meeting and my heart's beating through my ears and I still feel like I'm going to throw up. But getting the opportunity to speak and connect with people, again, it's that that freedom and seeing the impact that 
has to be the biggest joy of leadership. Even though it's scary, it brings so much happiness when you can make that discovery that yes, you can make a difference from any role. Neely, how can our listeners connect with you on social media? I'm mostly on Twitter. I, I do have an Instagram account, but it's more for my middle schoolers. I just like posting stuff for them about school, but mostly Twitter. So it's just nbartley6. And I love to be connected with anybody who's who's listening. I mean, whether like if they want to connect with me through a DM or just like on Twitter, whatever, that's really the easiest way. Neely was gracious enough to provide one autographed book, Lead Beyond Your Title, for an Aspire book giveaway. To enter, go to joshstamper.com and sign up for the Aspire newsletter. The winner will be selected and announced on Friday, August 9th, 2019. And if you're a current subscriber to the Aspire newsletter, you are automatically entered for the book giveaway. Please continue to check out the Aspire podcast. And if you've gotten any value from the show at all, please subscribe and leave a rating and review wherever you're listening. Don't forget to use the Aspire Lead hashtag as you continue the conversation on social media. Neely, thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity.